How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Welcome to What Was Her Name? Um, I am Maya Hoover and I'm the host of What Was Her Name? <laughs> so I have something exciting to say to you guys. Um, I'm here today with um, my guest, Caroline Markle Hammond, and she's my mama mentor. <laughs> we have been um kind of just working alongside of each other in the realms of the domestic abuse community. And originally you may know Caroline from the podcast. I think she was on season one or two and um, it was the Craigslist files. If you hadn't heard her story yet, I would highly recommend you going and looking at it um, or listening to it. <clears throat> and um, since then she's become my mentor and I've made her my mama mentor. <laughs> I love that. I love it. So Caroline, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself and just, yeah, just maybe you want to just give a little intro about yourself. Sure. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I love what you do, Maya, and I love how you show up in the world. So our relationship has been a beautiful evolution. So I'm happy to be here with you today. So I feel super honored to like have you in my life and I mean, that's why we're doing this even right now is because I'm like, we talk so much about so many things in the realms of abuse and post-abuse. And we're always like, damn, that's good. We need to like start <laughs> making, making a podcast about this because like, I'm always, I'm literally sitting here with my notebook again, because I, I'm like, I just learned so much from you and you just have so much wisdom. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and just um, even just hearing the waves that you've made is uh, incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And the pleasure is mine to to chat with you. Mm. Always. And you're right. We do like, it would seem really weird and probably a little bit egotistical to record every conversation, but damn, we come up with some great stuff. So for those of you who are wondering what you're listening to right now, obviously it's a bit different than what was her name um, because we do stories on the podcast of individuals' experiences with abuse. But last season, I did a panel um, of guests where we really just talked about how to navigate the aftermath. And I really want to focus on the stories of women's abuse, but there are so many of you listening in this space 
who are really navigating the realms of aftermath. Um, and I personally am mentored by Caroline and the amount of like wisdom that she's spoken into my life has been absolutely life-changing and like genuinely, I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for you, Caroline. And I'm not even just saying that. And there are so many times that we have conversations and I'm like scrounging for any type of wisdom because I have been so far removed from my own intuition that I am like desperate for somebody to just help me navigate life because I am so afraid to make the same mistakes because I'm like, I didn't see it. I didn't see what I was walking into and I couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And so you've been teaching me how to really just, I mean, damn, I don't even know what you've been doing. You've taught me so much. <laughs> so I need to share it. I'm like, I can't gatekeep this. I need to like put this out here. And so we're going to start doing um, these Mama Mentor Mondays where we're going to have an episode and it is going to be about various topics. I feel like essentially we do almost like therapy and then you're like getting to listen to these sessions of therapy with, <laughs> with your line for me. So um, I'm really excited and super eager. And yeah, I just think it's a great contribution to what was her name. I'm super excited about it because we'll have just, you know, some faster clips, but I think as we go forward, we're going to get some questions from people that we can address. Yeah. Um, which I think is going to be really cool. We're going to be able to have some nitty gritty conversations. One of the things in creating safeinharmsway.org is I really felt as if I needed to, you know, I had my experience. I've had, I've, I've been in sales and training and, and led people across the world in my previous career, but I did go back to school and get my trauma certification and I'm continuing in the certification of that. Not that I want to get into personal coaching because um, my plate is pretty full with safeinharmsway.org, but this on a group level is perfect. And so just as you are pouring into me, I want to pour into you, Maya, because I, the one-on-ones we have, I just don't do broadly. I, I just don't. There's not a lot of capacity, but you are just a special creature that inhabits the world in a unique way and a positive impact. So I love the idea of not only, and I say this to you often, and I always say, I'm not being condescending. I am being genuine. The fact that we could get young women, if I knew these things when I was in my 20s and 30s, I would not have married the man who yeah. is the father yeah. of my children. I would not have gotten into a relationship where the person was trying to actively harm, rape, and kill me. Mm-hmm. I would not have done those things. So not only are we getting people within your age range that will help people have better lives, have better choices, be a better parent. Can you imagine not parenting a child when you are trauma filled? Can you imagine getting to parent a child as a more whole complete version of yourself? That's stellar, that is generational change. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's many women like me who are, I am a woman who's 55 years old 
statistically, abuse and, and anything related to sexual assault, if significant abuse starts to happen in their 20s, statistically, it is not until their 50s until women start to find out that they can get help for that. So not only are we going to be reaching people within your age range, you are the same age as my children, but we're also going to be reaching people my age of women who've never sought the help and never had the epiphany and never gone, wow, so I don't have to live like this? Yeah, yeah. I just, I think it, oh my gosh, it makes me so happy. Yeah. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the waves that have that are being made right now because back like people who are a bit older like my my mom's age for example like nobody was talking about this kind of stuff this was inappropriate to talk about and I think as we've seen over time society evolving I mean women's rights has obviously grown and we're now um in a very different generation and talking about mental health, talking about domestic abuse, advocating against all these areas that are like so important that my mom or my grandmother, specifically my grandmother, like she didn't have these tools. And so it's like, we get to be in a space where we freely talk about these things. We freely advocate against these things. And we're also helping shape young women to not end up in these situations, to know the things that I didn't know. I, I definitely wasn't taught this. I mean, there, I, I didn't have any sort of like tools and you didn't have any tools either. And so it's like, now that we do, how beautiful that we can come in a space where it's like, who gives a fuck if it's like, makes people uncomfortable and people are like, oh, you know, I mean, there's always going to be those people who are like, oh, they're talking about it for their, for attention or, oh, they're just living in their past or, you know, and there's also a community that's desperate for one person to just say, hey, you can get up from the table, you can walk away, you can stand up on the table if you want, and you can rally and get a little crazy and get really angry about righteous injustice, and you don't have to stay seated at the table anymore, and we can talk about ways in which you can learn to listen to your body you can learn to be aligned with your intuition. You can learn what you value and decide to walk away from things. And then we're saving women from ending up in these situations. Or like we've talked about, you're reaching out your hand towards women alongside of you and saying, hey, like your life isn't over. Like there's so much more ahead of you. And this is not something that you need to remain in. You can get up from the table. Exactly. And I love the phrase you used. I've been talking about squashing and gosh, for so long. And we've talked about that for so long. Yeah. But I love how in your content, you're you're taking what our discussions have been about squashing, and you're adding that element of getting up from the table. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'll get a little salty about it. Getting up from the table sounds so much better than you don't fucking have to, which is what I tend to say. So I love that you have use the get up from the table and, you know, get on top of it and raise a ruckus. Mm. That is an image and a visual that allows people to process the big heavy lift of, hey, your feelings and your values matter. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it originally originated from <clears throat> when I lived in Europe, there was this table that was in my ex-husband's, my in-laws home. 
And the it was like a very long table. They were very wealthy. They had this like very nice, beautiful home and this like one room where it was like the the you know we're dining room we ate and I remember being forced to sit at this table and I hated to sit at the table because I didn't speak German at the time and they knew that and they used that as a leverage to control me so they would sit at the table and they would be arrogant laugh chatter and I remember just sitting there and like learning how to tune into people's body language and so I would like learn how to like almost chuckle alongside of others chuckling, not knowing what the joke was or Mm -hmm. figuring out if some drama was happening at the table because people's moods shifted. And I would excuse myself from the table and go to the bathroom and cry, wipe my tears and then go sit back at the table. And like nobody, we would go lunches with nobody even talking to me or looking at me, all speaking in a different language. And they spoke English. It wasn't like they were just like- couldn't speak English. And as a form of control, my ex-husband would refuse to speak English. He would, he wouldn't translate and he wouldn't speak English. So when we would fight, he would use that so that I didn't know what was going on at the table. And I was constantly having to be like, what did they say? What did, you know? And once they started to speak it, I was like, oh, they're talking shit about me. And they don't even know that I realize it. And so all of that being said, I think me and you had had a conversation and I just had this visual of a table and I'm like, wrote a piece about it. And I was like, I'm excusing myself from the table because that table for me, I think we all have a table in our lives and that table looks different for everybody. It doesn't need to be a literal physical table for me. It was, but it can be an area of life where you have just been submissive or you've just been a shell of a person or been quiet or been forced to not really feed into your emotions or feelings by your family. Maybe there's familial trauma or a relationship that has completely just made you feel so like unaligned with yourself, but we all have these tables and it's like, you don't need permission to remove yourself from the table. And not only just that, but when you're ready, like you get up on top of the table and you just, I wrote a piece the other day and I was like, you just fucking kick a plate around or two, throw a spoon or two, heck, you know, and raise hell. Like just, you know, and it's just been something that has been so pivotal for me. And it came through us talking about the unsquashing. And I just think it's really beautiful because it's, we all have a table, you know, so. We do, we do. And it's the perfect analogy for what we do when we're navigating violence and toxic relationships and I want to say I I really want to feel like we need to put a marching band and fireworks around this when we talk about violence and toxicity that could be emotional that could that's that still counts that is a violent act just as what you talked the simple act of how they were communicating was meant to to control you and so not to to diminish that kind of control and that kind of abuse. It's everything. Mm -hmm. Think about the analogy for how that is in relationships that we're in relationships like that, that you get up from the table, you go cry and you hold yourself together and you come back to the table to try to figure it out. You get up from the table, you go take care of something. You try to look at, you come back. You're like, okay, I'm going to analyze body language and see if I can figure this out. Like you're, you're constantly 
squashing yourself to a point where your tears are, are done in private and then going back mm-hmm. to try to fix it or be worthy enough or to engage in a way where the people who claim to love you stop treating you in a way that is hurtful. And so that whole table imagery and whatever imagery that people can use to fuel themselves is really just the the metaphor for the entirety of the relationship and the cycle of abuse. I think it's also like collecting yourself. Like I think that's something I think that's something that's been ingrained in me, like, and a lot of us at really young ages, like you you cry. And I mean, maybe you had really emotionally available parents, but I personally did not. And so it was like, oh, stop crying. Or like, why are you crying? Just stop crying. And so that's integrated into my life as I've gotten older, where it's like, you go to the bathroom, you cry in silence, you collect yourself, you wipe your tears, fix your face, you fix your hair, do whatever you need to do. And then you go back and you sit at the table. And there's so many people who are constantly just trying to collect themselves. And that's why I think I love the part about getting like rallying and getting a little bit rowdy on the table because it's like, stop collecting yourself. Like Mm. it's okay to, to be angry about something. It's okay to not sit at that table, to be brave. Women have been conditioned to really just collect themselves, sit at the table, be appropriate, not cause a scene and be agreeable. And it's like, there's just, I don't know. There's so much to this. I could just go on for hours. I know. I know. I I love everything about it. And I, it's going to be a pleasure to, to pick it all apart with you. Yeah. Do you want to jump into honoring our bodies? I do. Okay. Um, we had had a conversation more recently about, our intuition and honoring our bodies. I think that's one of the biggest DMs that I get often is from women saying, I don't know how to tap into my intuition. And I'm like, me either. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, I'm right along there with you. Um, And I've been learning and I think I've made some strides. Would you say? Oh my gosh. Yes. And yeah, it's akin to like you've run a couple full marathons with a 30 pound weighted vest while you did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. <laughs> and so we've just been, uh, recently we had a conversation um, where I've just been trying to apply. Um, honoring my body. And we can just dive into that a little bit and just kind of talk about it. I think we can just, I don't know, I'm just going to just go for it and we can just 
What do you want to say? Love it. (laughs) Yeah. I, the thing about that, and you, you pegged it and I get it all the time. And I, and I want to say out loud for people to hear so that people know that they are not alone. This is something that I've gotten like the extreme honor to travel the world to help people. And the thing I hear most often is I am so afraid I can't trust my intuition. Right. And so you're not alone if you think that. Right. And the reality of that is, A, let me be very clear, learning to trust your intuition is hard. Mm-hmm. But B, the reason that you've been sitting at the table or the reason that maybe you have had a couple relationships that really just quickly dealt, and I'm, I'm talking about the collective you right now, not, not you, Maya, right now, but the, the reason that patterns happen in relationships is because we ignored our intuition. Hmm. So here's the beauty. It's there. You just have to start listening to it. So the whole notion that you can't trust your intuition, we're going to flip. We're going to get really curious. I say that a lot. We're going to get really curious about the words we use there. You can trust your intuition. You just ignored it Mm -hmm. all those times. Mm -hmm. And so that's the part that is really really hard to dive into but we really need and and I say this often we've got to fall in love with ourselves Mm. we have got to fall in love with ourselves when we fall in love with ourselves we notice what our body is telling us Mm -hmm. we notice it and then we have to act on it so think of it as a three-part step and I always go back to a a three-part step so first of all you have to to acknowledge that you have so far removed yourself from your own body that you have to fall in love with yourself. And that means what, what do I love? What kind of people do I love? What kind of values do I love? Do I love it when someone is honest? Do I love it when someone opens the door for somebody? It's big and small things. Do I love it when somebody's kind of waitstaff? Do I love it when someone, when I tell them something, they say, tell me more. Hmm. What are the things I love? And then think about when you're thinking about those things you love, what does your body feel like? Hmm. And write that down, write it down. What does my body feel like when someone, when, when I value something and I see it in another person? Mm -hmm. And so that's the first part of falling in love with yourself is to recognize, and it's a big lift, is to recognize those feelings. The second part of starting to trust your intuition is to notice what your body feels like when you don't have a person in your life who's exhibiting the values you want. Mm. And that second part is tricky because the second part, uh, I'm going to use an example. You're in a new relationship and you really value a text exchange that is, is consistent. It, maybe it starts with a, you know, hey, how are you in the morning? And a, and a definite text before you go to bed. And 
Maybe it's the, the cadence all day that you really value a more prompt response than a, a delayed response. That's what you value. And you, when you're falling in love with yourself, you're going to figure out what that feels like in your body and how good it makes you feel. And But when you're in a new relationship and you don't really have an established cadence yet, an unreturned text or not getting a good morning text can feel like, oh my gosh, here it is again. Here we go. He's not respecting me. He's, you know, this person's ignoring me. This is exactly what don't I don't want. And that's where it gets tricky because you really have to sit in and say, get curious. This feels a lot in my body, like what I don't like. And at the same time, I'm in a new relationship. So it's hard. We haven't really developed a cadence yet. Maybe we haven't even talked about texting because it's a new relationship. And do you really sit down and say, here's how I would like to be texted? Maybe, but you also have a little bit of an evolution that it needs to go. So you have to then start to really get curious and say, okay, how do I want to handle this? Do I want to have a conversation about texting? Do I want to just let things evolve and keep an eye on it? Mm. Do I want to go ahead and call it off? There's all kinds of options between those three scenarios. Mm -hmm. Here's the beauty. You get to decide. I like that can decide, you know what? I want to have a conversation about this. Right. Or you can decide to walk away. All of it is valuable. And all of it is going to underscore you starting to trust your own intuition. And I want to give like two examples to this um, because I think it's really like helpful as well. Um, obviously, like, so me and Caroline have been talking about dating. Um, and, you know, in my dating experiences, more recently, um, I've been really trying to apply this. And that's one of the biggest and hardest things for me is this step two, is to notice when my body is not feeling aligned with something and then being able to walk away from it because I very much have like a scarcity mindset and I'm trying to unlearn that, also trying to tap into what I honor and what I value and then not only just recognizing this is what I honor and value and then making excuses for them, but being willing to walk away because it's more worth it to stay aligned with myself than it is to abandon myself for somebody. And we were talking um, about this the other day, but um, I was talking to this guy and he asked me if we could talk on the phone. And so we talked on the phone and he basically had made a comment that he had been catfished by um, this girl on social media. And I was like, well, you know, what was the catfish situation? And he was like, yeah, we had been on a date a year ago. And then, you know, she had the same profile pictures up and she was like a hundred pounds heavier than what she looked like. And I immediately kind of came to a halt internally because I'm like, where's he going with this? <laughs> and he said, you know, she just talked about her relationship and I don't want to hear that shit. And, you know, this wasn't what I signed up for. And, uh, you know, her advertisement was incorrect. And 
it was the way that he communicated this conversation to me where I immediately felt this halt in my heart, but also I felt icky. Like I felt like that, ooh, like I don't like this. And I'm on a phone call, so I feel a little bit trapped because I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I just decided, I literally, I always tell Caroline, like I can hear her. Like, I feel like I've got like a little like floating head of Caroline <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> it sounds so creepy, but I'm like, I can hear her. Like she's, like, she's like, listen to your body. And so I'm like, okay. And I just was, I just communicated. And I was like, you know, I don't like that. I, that rubs me the wrong way. And his response was, to gaslight me. And then he was like, well, I think that you are putting words into my mouth. And I'm like, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just repeating what you said. Like, <laughs> and I love that. He, no, like, this is what you said. Yeah. It's literally what you said. And, and he's like, I think you're assuming things. I'm not assuming anything. You literally just said it. And, um, so long story short, uh, it didn't work out and, um, he was pissed about it and he got rude. And, I reflected on that situation though. And I was like, yeah, my body didn't feel good in that situation. And I removed myself from it. And like you say, Caroline, all the time, you're like, when you remove yourself from something that doesn't align with you, you're saving yourself time. Because like, if that's happening and you ignore it, like it's going to happen again. And like, can you just tap into really quickly, um, share about like how you said that you were willing to walk away from something, even if it, you were like making the wrong decision, like you were going to honor your body over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's, I'm glad that you brought it up. That's something that has to be done. I firmly believe when I was so far disconnected from my body, I was so busy trying to be like, okay, if this is, this person did this thing to me and, and I don't like it. I need to change my body. I need to change my reaction because this problem is probably just me. Like it's just me. And so over decades of ignoring my own feelings, I was so far disassociated from my body. I didn't even know what colors I liked. I didn't even know, you know, how to, how to assess a situation was it dangerous was it safe i had i had removed myself from that mm. and the other part of that is when you disassociate so much from your body that chaos feels normal so when you actually start to tap into your body i i i often say it's I, my skin feels itchy like the hum in my head that I've been used to for decades is starting to, to go down a little bit. And, oh my God, I can't have that. Where's the chaos? Like, where's, where's me trying to fix things? Where's me feeling anxious? Where's, so it's, it's makes you want to stop. And so I just decided that if I'm going to calm the itch, if I am going to erase that chaos from my life, I was going to love myself so much that I was going to walk away from people based strictly on how my body felt. Because I'm also a believer, whether you believe in a manifestation or the universe or creator or God or Jesus, any of those entities that we subscribe to as a higher power, do not test you with should you stay or should you go 
They don't. There's no bus you have to worry about staying on. If that bus doesn't make you feel good and the ride's too bumpy, get off. Because if you were supposed to take that bus, it's going to come around again. Yeah. And I'll be damned if every time I chose to walk away from something just strictly on how my body felt, I was never wrong. Yeah. In the look back, I was never wrong. And to prove my point on the other side, when I did walk away from someone based on how my body felt, and then there was a reconnection, and that person turned out to be one of the biggest influences of my life as far as emotional intelligence, kindness, and the really good building of a relationship. Now, that relationship ultimately didn't work out, but it was two years of that person back in my life with huge growth and huge opportunity. And I walked away from that man, like in a heartbeat initially. Maybe it was my mood. Maybe it was the sun. Maybe it was what I ate. Maybe he was having a bad day. But I walked away because I loved myself. And I firmly believe that in my mind, that's my opinion. We have to get used to doing that so that we know and we are telling our body, I'm listening to you. I hear you. I'm going to act on it. And and then we do it. And then that grows stronger. I can, I can, as that has happened and I've grown that, that gift, that talent and, and part of the gratitude of layering in on all of this, it's perspective. You can, it's not toxic positive positivity. It's saying, Hey, no, thank you, body for telling me something was wrong. And the more you do that, the more you you listen to your body and the more your body is accurate on people and places. I can feel an energy in the room from people and who is kind and who is not so much easier. And when I remove the people, because I have walked away, I have made space for somebody to take their place who makes my body feel good. Now, if I've made space and the person coming in makes my body feel bad, well, then I got to make another space again. Doesn't mean I was wrong. Doesn't mean, oh, my God, I made a mistake and I allowed this person. I didn't catch up something. No, when you're sometimes just the evolution of a, a relationship, you're going to catch things. You're going to pick up on things because they've let that part of themselves out a little bit. Right. And so I think that's another dynamic for people who've navigated abuse is they think they have to get it right you have to be able to know instantly the reality is you're not going to know instantly I mean sometimes you are like I said I can tell when I walk in a room but sometimes when you're in a relationship somebody finally divulges something about themselves that doesn't sit well with you you have that information now well and I think it's also like it ties into really what you said in the in the first step which is like falling in love with yourself and recognizing what you value because if you value, for example, humility and backtrack really quick to that situation with that guy, he was very arrogant. And I don't think that he was compassionate towards your situ situation, whether or not, you know, a woman should be honest about her appearance and forthcoming. He was an asshole. <laughs> and right. so it's like, I value humility. I value kindness. And those didn't align. And on paper, he was this person who seemed really great. But once I had the information that I knew 
did not align with my values, I walked away. And it it really does work. Like I, I mean, last year I was in a relationship the entire year and I was continually misaligned, continually triggered. I mean, Caroline, you literally went through the trenches with me. Like I, I just feel like I was, I was a mess and we would have this conversation and I'm like, how do you know? And I was so afraid to like, I just, I was so confused. And the more that you make decisions and you walk away from people because it doesn't feel good in your body, the more you're going to trust yourself the next time to walk away from something as soon as you get information that doesn't align with you. And I'm going to, I'm going to add something to that because I can definitely remember the feeling and the tone of your voice when after you had ended that relationship and you said, did you know this person wasn't right for me? Mm. And I said, yes. And you said, <laughs> what? The fuck? Like what? <laughs> and I said, yeah, you had to learn what it felt like in your body. Mm. So if we expect people to tell us the answers, we're never going to fall in love with ourselves ever. Mm. And no, the situation would have been different if I felt like you were had the potential of being harmed or you had the potential of being, you know, that you were going to make a big mistake. And I often thought to myself, okay, if she's going to make a move and move across the country, then we're going to have to have a conversation about this. And, but that wasn't the case yet. So thankfully, because we were in the trenches together, I could get a really good feel on where your head was at. And I would never have allowed you to be in a dangerous situation um, of physical harm. And, and even, you know, in relation to the, the complete integration with your son, that was an evolving measure as well. And so it, it just is a point where we, that falling in love with ourselves is so important that I needed to let you do that. And then I made the commitment, like, hey, just so you know, I would never, like, I I will step in where I need to if I had needed to. But it was so vital for you to know that. And what I love now is there'll be times where you'll text and you say, okay, this happened. And so here's what I did. And I just walked away. Like, you've, I, I identified my feelings, Caroline. I know what I was doing. This didn't sit well with me. And so I'm, I'm out. Right. That's beautiful. And that doesn't happen unless you do the work and it doesn't happen if, if it's a constant, please tell me what to do um, or please tell me what you think, because we have to allow our own body to tell us and make that choice. Yeah. And it's going to take like a couple of trips, like falling, like it's going to take a couple of scrapes because it, it just doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't. It's like, it's like learning how to walk and your mom is like constantly holding your hand. Like then you're never going to learn how to like walk on your own because you ha- constantly have somebody who's like ensuring that you don't fall. And it's like learning from those falls, I think is something that I had to go through. And as much as I wish I hadn't gone through that sometimes, cause I'm like, damn, like that was just, it feels like a waste of a year. It really wasn't because it taught me how to listen to my body and to know how to honor it. And so for people who are listening, I know there usually is, I I would say like one or the other where people are 
terrified to date and they're just like never again they are just not even gonna get close to it and then others who are starting to date they're kind of ready to date and they're really confused about whether or not their body okay this is a question I have actually really quick is like I think that there's a big confusion for in like in post-abuse there's a confusion of is this my intuition or is this my trauma is this person love bombing me or am I, and is that where the anxiety is coming from? Am I being love bombed or is this just PTSD and trauma? And I'm just not used to somebody, somebody being nice to me. That's just an example. What would you say to somebody who's having a hard time deciphering if it's their intuition or if it's just PTSD and trauma? I would ask people to get really curious about what's happening and to change the language. Okay. The language of, is this my, is this just my heightened nervous system? Cause I survived abuse. Is this my trauma rearing its ugly head? Is this all of these things that as survivors are housed in our body are actually really freaking beautiful mm-hmm. because yes, it is your body has stored all of that memory. Your body is so attuned to keeping yourself safe that the minute that something feels like it did in that violent relationship or that abusive relationship or that toxic relationship, your body goes, wait a minute, I know this, batten down the hatches. Like, here we go. We're going to default to things. We're going to freeze. We're not going to have conversations. We're going to go to the bathroom and cry and fix ourselves. And we're going to come back to this because that's what worked to keep us safe before. And so uh, it's not toxic positivity. It's actually saying, you know what, body, I love you so much. Thank you for making me aware of this feeling. Because you making me aware of this feeling tells me I need to pay attention here. I need to keep my eyes here and see how it unfolds. And it might just be that you're getting roses. It might just be that you're actually having someone who's commutative. Or it could be that you're being love bombed. But until you recognize that this thing right here in the relationship, my body is telling me I need to pay attention to that. And then you pay attention to it. And then as you learn more in that relationship, you decide, you know what? It's enough that it feels not good to me. I'm out. Or you know what? I've seen a pattern that actually is okay. And so until I learn more, I'm going to keep paying attention to that, but I'm going to stay in the relationship. Because the more you fall in love with yourself, the more that will get clear. And what it does too I wish as survivors, we would take off the table of this is just my trauma. This is just my heightened nervous system as if that was a negative thing. Again, your body did automatic, wonderful things for you to keep you safe. And if that's happening again, it's a place to pay attention. And here's the other part. It is a place where that choice and process is yours. I am not a big believer in in a conversation that goes like this. Okay, so 
gotta tell you, Bob, we just started dating and I survived abuse and here's all the things I survived. And let me tell you that what you just did was really, um, that made me feel like how Mark used to make me feel. And so gotta tell you, like, I just might wig out on this and I just need you to know all these things about me. No, some people do not deserve your story until you've decided they are safe on how your body feels that they get to hear your story. You don't have to leave. Now I know I have a luxury in that is you can pretty much Google me and any man will know exactly what he's getting, right? But it also means anybody who has altruistic things that are intended for harm would have an insight paper on how to approach me. So it's it's both sides. So not divulging your entire story as part of the reason why you're reacting the way you are is actually doing such a service to yourself. It's falling in love with yourself again because some people don't deserve to hear that story. And most importantly, you're not diminishing your body's reaction by saying, I'm just doing this because of my trauma. No, you're deciding where in my body this situation makes me feel and if I need to act or not. And I'd love to share the second part, Maya, of with a similar situation of what you described, but the second gentleman that you had a similar interaction with. Can we talk about that a minute? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the beauty of what happened next, I'm going to start it and you flesh it out because I want I want your verbiage of how you navigated it to, to be brought from your your lips. Yeah. Very similar situation that a man was talking about a, a woman's weight and, you know, kind of a disparaging way. And when you said something about it, he's like, oh, he didn't gaslight you. He didn't say, I never said that or you're taking it the wrong way. He didn't gaslight you. You actually had a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And how did that feel different for you? And maybe flesh that out a little bit more for folks. Yeah. Um he also had been catfished by somebody who was not their pictures. It it was the same person, but overweight. And immediately I'm like, here we go again. I am in the same situation. How the fuck does this keep happening to me? And I'm like, I don't, I need to honor my body. And I was immediately tapping in like, okay, how do I feel? And I felt initially this feeling of like anxiety where I was like, I need to to pull, P-O-L-L. I need to pull for someone's opinion. Like, should I, what do I do? What do I do? And then I I thought, okay, I am capable of walking away from something that doesn't align with me. And I'm going to listen to what he has to say. But I also said, Hey, you know, this doesn't align with me. I really love like women empowerment and women's bodies are going to change throughout their lives. So it makes me uncomfortable when you say that, because I just posed that question. And as we were talking, he was like, let's get curious about this. So, and he, you know, used the example of like, if a guy was saying that he's six foot on a dating app and then he was five, nine, would that impact me? And I sat there for a second and I was like thinking about it. And I'm like, at first I was like, well, no. And then I backtracked and I'm like, well, yeah, it would. But when I told him, why it it mattered to me, why it bothered me. And I even, I mean, we've been pretty open in this 
based on Instagram, I've talked about how like I gained a lot of weight after I was with my ex-husband and I really lived out life in a bigger body. And the way that men treated me, people in general, I remember that and the difference and the change in the um, adjustment from being in, in a bigger body. It, it's just different the way that I was treated. And so it's like hard to know if someone's being genuine or authentic. And he took a step back and he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I did not mean to offend you. And he was very genuine and was like willing to be wrong. And he was like willing to be like, yeah, maybe this is a piece of me that needs to be like removed. And he owned up to it. And that's all you can really ask from somebody. And so yeah. while I didn't love that comment, I still don't love that comment. I have, you know, I made the decision to continue to get to know him because I was like, well, I think that the way he responded was very different and my body didn't feel this pit in my stomach that was like, this doesn't feel right, but I felt like the freedom to still communicate what I was feeling and he even affirmed that and said, you can always speak your mind to me and that's what's important. That's what you need in somebody because yeah, so yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. That's the difference between, between being received with what you say in a way that makes your body feel good and being dismissed, which was the first person. And, and I'm going to actually ask you to get curious and, and about one thing that you said, which was, oh my God, this is happening to me again. The reality is, unfortunately, while I love men and I love the physicality and I love being in relationships with them. There are a lot of them that ain't so great. There are a lot of them that have really misaligned perceptions of female bodies. They have zero problem. I mean, we're, I'm waging a, a war, a very big battle right now um, with with men saying, well, not all men. No, not all men, but y'all know one. Y'all know one who's a really big asshole, gets too drunk and puts his hands on a woman. Mm-hmm. Y'all know one, and yet you don't say anything to them. Y'all know one that's going to comment about somebody's boobs. Y'all know, all men know one, at least. Yeah. And so we're going to run across men who are like that. And it's not mm-hmm. us, it's them. So it becomes imperative for us to realize, okay, there's not something wrong or faulty with my with my choices or my swiping left or right. I don't remember which way I'm supposed to swipe um, on somebody <laughs> and I chose erroneously. No, you chose and then you found out. So that's just kind of part of the deal. That's just part of the deal as far as whether you're on a dating app or you're just a regular human walking down the street or you're happen to be at the library and the cute guy checking out books in front of you. You're like, damn, like that. That's all the information that we're gathering. And we didn't choose wisely once some, or unwisely once someone actually gave up the information about who they are as a human. It's our job to then act when we find out who somebody is as a human. Ooh, and I wanted to say something when you said it's our job. Um, something else that you've taught me that I think applies to this is, is a little bit different, but uh, you taught me that believing somebody the first time that they say it to you. Do you remember when you said that to me? 
Yeah, actually, I wish I could claim that, but that's a Maya Angelou, uh, Maya Angelou quote. And she says, um, the first time somebody believes, tells you something about themselves, believe them. Well, Maya Angelou, it's just a good name, Maya, you know. It is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> um, well, either way, it's it was beautiful because it, I think it ties in here is like, believing somebody by their actions and I don't think it even has to do with just like romantic relationships it could be friendships as well or like even familial dynamics um jobs jobs yeah and people say things and people act in ways where it's like looking at people and hearing what they say and instead of undermining what we think or gaslighting ourselves or collecting ourselves and sitting back at the table Maybe we honor ourselves and what we value and we take people at face value for what they say and the way they act and behave and then act accordingly. Yep. Yep. Because there's going to be times when people say something that it's so insane. You think, oh, I surely heard that wrong. Or I'm sure they didn't mean that because, I mean, who would say something like that? The reality is you heard it right. And yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They're emotionally unavailable. They're emotionally unavailable. Like, don't try to change them. Like, you know, like it's it's just like taking people at face value. And then I think you that said this to me. You're like, the more aligned you become with yourself, the more you're going to attract people who are attracted to your alignment. Yes, yes. And I have, I have my daughter to thank for that. Um, my daughter is 31 years old, and. I had been in a relationship, a long-term, a long-distance relationship, mainly because we we started the relationship when my job took me there often. I was there like 60% of the time, and I traveled a lot for work. So that relationship started in one of the, the areas I was in most often, more often than at my home. And and But then my job changed. And so the relationship was still ongoing, but now I wasn't down in that that geography as much anymore. And my daughter said, just, just as a like a side note, we're talking on the phone. She's like, hey, mom, did you ever think like a pattern is maybe you date men who live far away so that you don't have to consistently be yourself? Huh. And I was like, sorry, there's an alarm. I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, no, I think you heard what I said. That's <laughs> like, huh? Yeah. Maybe because yeah. if I had to authentically show up as myself all the time, now this is, this is years back when I was still learning about my body. I was recently, um, you know, just figuring all of this out. And I thought that's been my pattern for forever mm-hmm. because if I'm busy trying to change someone, or I'm busy thinking very emotionally unavailable, but if I can just fix it this way, then it'll all be okay. If I'm so busy doing that and I only have to hang out with them or be with them 50% of the time, and then I get to be my authentic self the other 50% of the time, I've so far disconnected from my body, but not only that, who am I? Really? Because is this person falling in love with the authentic version of me or the, fir- the version of me that's with them 50% of the time trying to change myself 
so that they will treat me kindly or so that the relationship works because they're emotionally unavailable or my feelings shouldn't matter in this situation because it's just me, all of those things. Right. So it really is important in the acting of it, which is the third step and to act on what you know is to be your authentic self and all those things you value and falling in love with yourself, being your authentic self and all the things you don't value and showing up as that consistently. Yeah. And when you do that, the beautiful people that are aligned to you, you attract them naturally because 100, let's say, let's, let's give ourselves a little bit of leeway. Let's say 95% to hundred percent of the time we are actually showing up as ourselves. And then the people who should be around us come out of the woodwork. The people I have met, and I can get teary-eyed about it, The mo- and you're one of them, Maya, the most amazing humans that I have come in contact with in my life as I learned these o- o- very same things we're discussing and implemented them consistently are the most incredible humans that I never would have met otherwise. Mm. Not when I am only myself 50% of the time. And I, I am, I'm a big believer in gratitude. I'm a big believer in counting your blessings on that. And I, I have something I keep, um, I've been documenting it since 2020 of the, and I call them tiny little miracles. And every day I put in my phone, the tiny little miracle that happened. And maybe it's just getting a random text. I had I had somebody randomly reach out to me that I worked for uh, probably 15 years ago. And he said, I just wanted to like, I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you all the things I see in you that make you an authentic, amazing human. And I was like, what? And it was beautiful. It was random. That would not have happened if I a wasn't looking for the miracles every day and recognizing them as such, because that's a miracle. I haven't talked to him. I haven't worked for him in 15 years. I probably haven't talked to him in three years. Maybe he read something. Maybe I just popped in his head. But he's like, I want to reach out to her. That happens when you are authentically you. And you start to document those miracles where you felt good and people remembered, or you felt good and something beautiful happened. Because the amazing amazing people in my world now historically who are who were always amazing and I've kept in my world or currently who've only been into my world because of the work I do at safeandharmsway.org and because of me being authentically myself or hands down the best humans on this planet yeah I think that's yeah I think that's amazing and I think that I mean there are a lot of people listening in this space who I mean, we, I think there's a, a variety of people with uh, different like religious beliefs, but obviously like I'm deconstructing right now um, from Christianity. And I think one of the biggest things, and I know there's a lot of people in this space who have only since found me since I started talking about deconstructing and abuse, because they are also going through very similar things because there are a lot of women in the church who have been abused, but also are deconstructing their faith. And I think that this is just a quick side note. I think that the church also, whether it's intentional or not, I I really don't know, but it's like a molding um, and you're constantly being shaped 
and molded, but it wasn't until I started deconstructing that I started to become more aligned with myself. And I felt often guilt because I'm, you know, I can hear the Christian saying, you're backsliding, you're backsliding, you're sinning. Um, you said, fuck, like, you, you know, you need to repent or whatever. But the more that I have kind of backed away from that a little bit and really asked myself, like, what do I believe about things? What do I value? What do I want in somebody? Like I've been taught in church, like you need, you should want somebody who goes to church even better if they're a pastor, even better if they're a missionary, even better if they're evan- evangelizing or whatever, you know, but we're not actually really talking about integrity or kindness or humility. And I've ended up dating these guys who are pastors, missionaries, and I continue to get burned every single time because they're lacking integrity. They're lacking humility. They're lacking honesty. And the more aligned that I've become with myself, I feel like I'm even attracting like friends as well as like men that are maybe not necessarily what I've been taught to completely conform to, but they're aligning more with like who I am and what I'm looking for and what I want somebody. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. And it's, it's beautiful. I, it really is because that's, that's part of the journey. And, and if that's a culture in which you've grown up, it's, it does, it makes your skin itch. Like, wait a minute. This is what I've been taught to historically. And, but yet this person doesn't even align with the, his, the teachings of the church and, and that I believe in. And wait a minute, but everybody thinks he's a great guy. And let me tell you, really great men learn quickly how to establish a facade to keep their realm, whether it's professionally in the work they do or it's, and that work might be the church. They learn very quickly how to craft that facade. That facade. And, and so when that's done, and yet you get to see underneath, behind the curtain of who they are as a real human, you're left going, well, wait a minute, this, this doesn't even align with my, with my religion, not, not only my body, that's hard to process. And I, I'm going to give a shout out to a book. Maya asked me this week, what are the five top five books I should read? And I could not, I was so disappointed in myself that it never dawned on me to suggest this book and I'm creating a little care package that hopefully once the actual book arrives I'll be able to put in the mail to you but if you are someone within a religious community that is deconstructing um my most favorite book is Sue Monk Kid The Dance of the Dissident Daughter and that is a book that really takes the journey of a woman who has this epiphany after decades. And it's a true story. It's her, it's her biography of deconstructing everything she thought she knew, mm-hmm. all surrounded by religion. And the beautiful part of the story is that she's very honest and her husband is an elder in the church. And she's very honest with the gift he has given her, which is to completely not understand her journey at all. And in fact, kind of get a little angry at some points about it, but saying, I'm standing in your journey with you. Like I support you, do what you need to do. Not always going to understand it. I'm going to maybe get a little bit mad about some things, but, but I'm going to support you through it. 
and I'm going to believe in you. And that's really a great example of a gift to be given if you're deconstructing. And it's also an example of the beauty of the deconstruction that brings the most amazing people into your world. So um, that my, uh, that little care package I've been developing, hopefully as soon as the book arrives, you'll get the care package. Oh, you're so sweet. I think, yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think, I think this is just such a, a beautiful topic. Do you think that? So I think it's so strange in some ways how, I mean, I just put out applications and women just come and fill out the application and I just pick them based off of, uh, you know, their stories and what I feel like is it fits for each season. And most of the time, I don't even know that the men are Christians or like in the church, pastors, youth pastors, whatever, until we're already talking about it. Do you think that the reason why so many women in the church are ending up in abusive relationships, not only is because I think that the church hides abusive men, but also pushes this narrative and this uh, agenda on men, but women are so far removed from themselves but they're co- because they're constantly being molded into something that causes them to be misaligned from their intuition and, and or what, what is that? <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's all of it. I, I think, and, and you opened my eyes to some of this just in the dating culture of I'm, I, I'm not going to do it justice. What's the phrase? Like I'm intentionally dating you and it's all around the ultimate outcome of you being my person and us getting married. Then it is, and the manufacturing of that, then it is to get to know a human. Mm. And, and you're more having discussions about living up to the expectations of your church than you are about living up to the expectations of who you are and falling in love with yourself, of, of owning who you are, and the expectations of what it means to be a dutiful wife, mm. which is all centered around, around men. And I, what I... What I love about having conversations about this is I I am not anti-men. Like I I am I am not, but there are we would be remiss as a society and as as for women, the largest majority of purchasing power in the United States, if we did not say there are systems in place with religion, with jobs, with societal structure that give men the benefit to create a community where their needs are met before our own. Mm. That's just the way it is. We got a lot of fighting to do to correct that. And the first way to do it is to start to fall in love with ourselves Mm. so that we walk away from those things, those jobs, those people, those relationships that don't align with how our body feels and what our our values are. Mm. Yeah. That's so damn good. And I think that the sooner we can learn those things, like for those who are listening, who are a bit younger and applying those things. And then even, I mean, heck at any age, learning these things. And then, I mean, equipping like our children, um, like equipping my kid with this to tune into his yes. body. He's a man who treats women properly. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just really beautiful to have these tools. And I think they apply in so many realms of our life. And it's something that we just don't talk enough about. And I think there's a lot of people running around in circles wondering, why do I keep ending up in this situation or cheated on or getting hurt or getting, you know, dropped by toxic friends? And it's like, well, 
If we learn how to listen to our bodies, figure out what we value, really love ourselves and stay and remain aligned with ourselves and join in friendship with ourselves, then I think that things start to come together. It doesn't mean that you may not fall or have bruises bruises and scrapes and learn. But I also think that you're becoming more aligned with yourself. And I think you're going to learn how to trust yourself more and walk into what's been purposed for you as you're cultivating your life. Agreed. Agreed. I'm going to add one caveat. And this is maybe this is where we can um, like put a pretty bow on it is if, because as you and I have talked, Maya, we're going to be in these conversations hitting people in your age group that will be different parents to the children they bring in this world. And thank goodness. So, but there, we're also going to have people who are my age and who are realizing, wow. So I parented in an unhealed state. And that might've meant I told my kids to stop crying instead of asked why that might've meant that in to not show a separation of parenting, you didn't correct your partner when that person was was cruel or or you know operated outside of, of the integrity that you wanted to create in your family. And so as somebody you know older who maybe has teenagers or like me has adult children, as we heal ourselves, it's really important to be emotionally intelligent enough to say, you know what? Is there anything you'd like to talk about in how I raised you? I have that kind of conversations all the time with my kids. Uh, my daughter just had a baby. That brings up a lot of big feelings for her, brings up a lot of big feelings for me. So I, I sat with her and I said, hey, your little girl being born, does it make you look back to your you, how you grew up and what you wish would have been different? Because if so, let's have a conversation about that. And as the parent, it's our job to say, I hear you. And I'm so glad you're saying this with me. It's not our job to say, even though this is true, you know what? I did the best I could with what I had. Sorry about your luck. That's true. You did do the best you could. And now that you know better, wouldn't you want somebody to give you grace? And 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 if they knew better. And so it's it's our job to be emotionally intelligent parents and say, you know what? I get it. And, and here's how I would have done it differently now that I know and now that I'm in my own healing journey. And most importantly, I want you to be a better parent than I was. I want you to look at what I did that didn't suit you and do it differently. And also, I want you to take everything I did that was beautiful because as parents, even in an unhealed state or unaware state or disconnected from our body state, we still did a lot of great things. So take those great things, dear child and for my granddaughter and highlight those and do those. And on those things where I didn't change it, make it better, do things differently. And the generational healing that we can have in those moments also impacts future generations. So whether you're, you know, little kids or whether you are older and, and having your own journey and parenting adult children, these messages still work. And these falling in love with yourself and following what feels good and what doesn't. And then acting on that stellar way to raise a community in our own homes and at work and in those friends we choose that is more healed and more positively and focused in creating a better world overall. Mm -hmm.
So good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Maya, I just appreciate you so much. So, so much. Um, thank you for having me today. It's been Hi. a pleasure and I'm looking forward to uh, Mama Mentor Mondays. Yes, you guys tune in on Mondays. We're going to have these, um, these I don't know, random episodes where we just talk about stuff and we're eventually going to have you guys submit questions and then we can um, Caroline can answer them for you and we can just kind of talk about them. So I'm excited to do life. I'm already doing life with you, but I'm excited to do life with you while others are listening. So I am fun. as well. Yeah. All right, guys, tune in next or tune in Thursday for uh, the next episode on what was her name and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.